drink it in now. Back, pressure card. Gonna get hit. Gonna go down. Sack back outside the 50-yard line. Ziggy did it. Drink it in now. We've got a man wide open. Golden at the 10. Golden at the 5. Golden to the house. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. There it is. Been looking for that all night. Cornbread. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Detroit Kool-Aid, what's going on, everybody? We are back, and I'm here with Grifka. Grifka, how was your bye week, buddy? Kind of boring, to be honest with you. It doesn't matter how (laughs) your bye week was. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It was just kind of boring, man. No lines to watch. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I'm refreshed. It's the second half of the season. I'm ready to go here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. So, Grifka, my next question is, why do you hate Ziggy so much? The guy never plays. Sorry, that guy's getting. <laughs> what do you mean he's gonna he's, he's gonna be playing in Miami? Come on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Until something comes up where he's gonna get sunburn on his shoulders from staying on South Beach all day Saturday, and then he won't be able to get us. He won't be able to get his shoulder pads on, so he'll have to be a healthy scratch or a scratch for that game. That guy's that guy gets injured like talking to the media. I mean, I don't you know whatever. <laughs> I hate to. Uh to get you going here in the beginning, but I want to know the logic behind not wanting a 6'4", 275-pound defensive end to play for our team when we have no pass rush. Explain that to me. You mean not play like this year or like in the future? Oh, I would love somebody to play for our team, but the, the term is play, not sit on the sidelines, not sit up in the, uh, you know, in the, in the press box and eat chicken wings like your boy Mike Williams did when he was hurt. So, you know, that's... Yeah, but you root for him. You like root for him or kind of make fun that he's not playing. I'm always pissed because I want to. I want this guy not, in the game. Like I said, I'm not things. pissed. I've come to terms with it. It's just like, I mean, is he missed? I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, it'd be nice to see him on the field, but I think the team's kind of like, you know, and moving on. I guess. I mean, he's not going to be around next year. We're not going to give that guy bank just to be hurt. You know, you know, five plays into the first game, then take the first six weeks off, and then. He'll play two games against some lesser tackles and, you know, have like four sacks and all of a sudden Ziggy's back and then, you know, he'll, he'll get hurt again and be out for another five games. So, I mean, what, whatever. I mean. But you're missing the point. You're talking about next year. Oh, we're not going to sign him or he, what do we want him for? You want him for this game in Miami. You want him for the next game and then the game after that. Like, yeah, no I want him 2019. To. Yeah, I want him to. You don't sound like again, you ever do. Once again, seeing us believing with this guy. You know, I've you know, oh. just come to terms with, like, he probably won't play on Sunday. I mean, so, you know, so what? Yeah, but there's a difference between what's going to happen. What do you, you never sound like you want this guy on the field or have him make plays for our team. Oh, he's overpaid. He's always hurt. Like, those are facts, but the reality of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast is it's, it's no different. this guy 17 million. We want him out there. We want him making plays. It's no different than everybody that's crying about an Indomic and Sue. Oh, he's a dirty player. He's, he's no good. He's a bum. Get rid of him. He's going to be too expensive. Yeah, but you want him on the field. And I told everybody, you'll miss him when he's gone. And that defense went, you know, went to the toilet after he left. I mean, come on. But, but again, that's the point. When Dominican Sue was here and he was playing, and he was, I read a bunch of, player. I read a bunch of I, stuff where people wanted to get rid of him. Oh, he was dirty. He was this. He was that. At least he was on the field. I mean, Ziggy's like never yes. on the field. Get rid of him means let him walk, like we did, like we did Sue. And I want Ziggy to walk, but I also want him to play right now and make plays, and not like. Oh, he'll never play. A win knocked him over. Like, like we need this guy. So, anyway, you hate the guy. I I don't want to resign the guy, but I want him right now. And there's a big difference between between the two. You keep talking about next year. Or he's no good long term. He's been hurt in the past. I'm talking about right now. We need this guy in Miami. So my question is, will he play? He's practiced. We're recording here on Wednesday. I got the Pistons game about to tip off. Oh, I just no, saw have, Zeke. At, you'll have to edit that I just out. saw Zeke Nobody at the mic. About the Pistons. 
Zeke's a freaking legend, and this is the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, Grifka, so I can talk about the, my Pistons if I want to. There's only one rule on this show, and you know what it is. Yeah. So will Ziggy play? He did practice, and I'm pulling, hoping I like want to see this guy out there. And, yeah, if he gets hurt again, it's frustrating, but then I want him out there the next week, and I want him out there the next week. You just have not only quit on him. You're just talking about the past and the future. I'm talking about right now. Will he play? Will he make plays on Sunday? Okay, let's let's go back in the time machine. Let's go back in the time machine here about a week, a little over a week. Do I want him to play? Yes. Will he play? No. But if your answer is yes, this is like the ult- the ultimate question for Grifka. If the question is yes and you think no and you're a Lions fan and you're on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, why do you beat up not only on our players, but on a player that's, you know, you said he's not the best defender on our team previously when I spoke to you. Like, he's a top five defensive talent, if not overall talent on this team. And you, why don't you root for the guy when you say, yes, you want him to play? And no, he won't. Why, why would you not pull for a guy that can help our football team win games? I don't get it. You said top five defensive player. Did you say in the league? No, I said is a def- top five defensive player on this team, if not overall player. Oh, on the team. Oh, okay, I'm yeah. like, I guess I misheard. I'm like, in the in the league, you're going a little far there. But well, yeah, he's top five on this team, so that makes him Lions good. But okay, um, like I said, do we need him? Do I mean, yeah, if the guy could stay healthy on the field, but. I've come to expect him not playing. You know, I'm not going to get my hopes up every week. And then, you know, Sunday morning when the scratches come out, you see Ziggy on there again. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste my time doing that. So my issue with you, and this isn't a Ziggy issue is why want him to play, expect him not to don't dislike the guy, but you always goof on him. Like, and then if he doesn't play, you rag on him on Sundays. If he shows up and makes a couple sacks, you're the first guy in the front row with your 94 jersey on cheering him on. Like, it's got to be one or the other with me. It can't be both because then you cover yourself either way. If he's if he's hurt all the time and terrible, you can make fun of him. And if he plays good, you're like, oh, look at Ziggy off the edge. I love this guy. Like, okay, I mean, I think I did that. I think the only time I really did that was his, was his rookie year when I thought he was a project and I really didn't want him to draft them. Because I thought he was a project, but me like going crazy after like every play he makes, like every eighth game, I think you're embellishing there a little bit. But um, if you're going to like flip on me for like ripping on Ziggy or whatever, um, I believe you did the same thing to Calvin Johnson because he went sign your football. Okay, so uh, let's pump no, let's, pu- let's no. pump the brakes here about like you know you like ripping on players and thinking that thinking no. they're no good or like you know totally, and then being totally there when different. they make a great catch. Because Kelvin Johnson would sign your football, and all of a sudden you would hated the guy. And like, oh, we no. can get rid of him. He's a quitter. He's the go, whatever, leave, see you. He's not that great. Blah, blah. But then he like he goes between three oh, Cowboys, boy. jumps up, makes a makes a, a great catch, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, Megatron, you're the best. Oh, God. So, you know, let's, let's just, uh, you know, your revisionist history here. You know, uh, you do the same thing. Uh, the same thing also, okay? So uh, let, no. let's pump the brakes People- here about this, you know. People, we got Griffith talking about apples. Yeah, apples and here's oranges. What happened with, oh, oh yeah, whatever. Whatever. Here's what happened with with Calvin Johnson. I used to always say, throw him the ball every play. This was when he was in his early 20s and when he was unstoppable. Then as he got broken out and old, I started to sour on him. And then when he quit on our football team and walked away at 28 years old, is when you heard me say, get it, get this guy out of here. He's overpaid. He's broken down and he's a quitter. I did not say that until he had basically already you know, made his decision, walked out the door. What is, there's no comparison between that and like a guy that's active. Oh, you mean as a, as opposed to a guy, as opposed to a guy who worked like, who who played like what, 10 snaps against the Jets and all of a sudden he's hurt again. Oh yeah, you're right. When, when Calvin Johnson was broken down and couldn't do anymore, you were saying, get rid of this guy. He's overpaid. Okay. He he quit on the team and he left the game. He's Ziggy Ansah's 28 years old. Oh he's my. breaking down. He's overpaid. Get rid of this guy. There you go. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, everybody, as you can see, we came out to shoot hot here on the Kool-Aid cast. Uh, coming right off the bye week. Uh, Ziggy's a hot topic here. And, man, 
you know, I hope he plays and makes plays. Grifka hopes he uh, yeah. his career is over tomorrow, and, and that's too. how it goes. So. I hope he plays too. I just don't expect him to. Okay, he covered yourself both ways, so we're good there. So Grifka, Agnew gone. Will this impact the team? You know, reading more of of who they're going to look to replace him, and like how you spoke on the last podcast about how like kickoffs really don't affect it really don't affect the game anymore. As, like you said, it seems like a lot of them end in the, you know, just go in the end zone, a lot of touchbacks and maybe on the punt. But, uh, I mean, I don't think it's going to be that large of an impact, to be honest with you. Um, I know we had spoken about potential guys to go back and return punts. I know one name that's always kind of brought up is Golden Tate, and you're not a huge fan of that simply because I mean, it's on punts. You know, you know, odd things can happen. Injuries can happen. Um Brandon Powell in the preseason looked pretty good at it. Um, I wouldn't mind throwing him back there. Um, you know, we saw him was, uh, I can't remember which game it was where he, you know, took one back to the house. So uh, I, I don't think, I, I was in agreement with you after like, you know, like reading some stuff and the last podcast where I would just think that part of the special teams doesn't really affect the game as much as, as uh, it used to in the past. So, I mean, will he be missed on, on special teams? Probably not much. I mean, he was playing a little more defensive back, and that obviously uh, dips a little deeper into what we have to do, you know, either signing guys off the practice squad or off the street. But um, I think he'll be missed a little more on the defense than as opposed to special teams. Yeah, where I sit with Agnew, I mean, um, he's had a couple returns this year that have been called back. I mean, people call him an all-pro from last year. To me, like, every year or two, there's a rookie that pops off the page or these guys that get in the Pro Bowl that just kind of had a good year, made a few plays here or there. I wouldn't call him a Pro Bowl, you know, player or Pro Bowl returner even. I think there's, you know, quite a few guys that I would put up better than him. But like I said, it doesn't really impact the game. He was playing corner a little bit more, but, I mean, to me – we're really like everybody is down on tees and like, I didn't love that draft pick when it was made, but I've tried to sort of support the guy or hope that he could make plays. He really seemed to fall off. So, you know, possibly it gives Lawson and tees a little chance to show us what they can do or maybe grow in their roles with him out of there. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's a huge loss. I mean, everybody's going crazy about uh, who's going to return. I mean, like you said, who I'm sure we can find a guy to kneel down or catch the ball in the end zone for kicks and then for punts. You know, it's always a bonus, whatever you get out of a punt return here or there. So I'm not too worried about it. But uh, that is one of the bigger injuries when when Jamal Agnew is one of your bigger injuries uh, coming off the bye week. You know, you're doing doing pretty well. Did mention off the top that Ziggy sort of practiced today on a Wednesday. Um what about uh, what about the word that TJ was back on the field? I mean, that kind of surprised me. And uh, people have been saying, hey, Kenny Wiggins played okay. Like, to me, if TJ's okay me- medically and if he has the want to to get out there and there's no real issues, you know, again, he's a football player. We're paying him well. He, ha- he has a gritty spirit. I'd like to see him out there. Uh, what are you thinking about TJ back on the practice field already, Grifka? I was surprised about that. I mean, for the way he looked walking off the field that game, I would have swore that would have been a multiple week. And I know, I mean, I, I don't believe that they're going to let him back on the practice field if he doesn't pass concussion protocol. I don't know all the rules and regulations, to be honest with you. But if he can go this week in Miami, I find that, I find it really surprising, to, to be honest with you. But uh, like you said, I mean, I think having T.J. Lang out there is definitely a step or two above having having uh, Kenny Wiggins out there. But uh, once again, I mean, it's uh, one of those things. You know, I wish the guy, you know, was his health. I mean, I don't if he loves playing. And he said, I believe in interviews I've read where he said he knows what the risks are. So, I mean, you know, good, you know, good for you, I guess, if you pass and the doctors are saying, yeah, you're good to go. I mean, I think he's definitely definitely going to help the team out there as a, you know as opposed to having Kenny Wiggins out there. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, uh, I would you know, I always get frustrated when the coaches say, "Well, I'm not a doctor," or, you know, talk with the medical team when they say he's good to go. You know, he's good to go. Like I think that's sort of how it goes in the NFL. Like, you know, if if these doctors, these professionals clear him, and he wants to play, you know, I don't say, you know, keep him out for X, Y, and Z reason. I say uh, get him out there and, and have us help our offensive line. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. 
Grifka, there was a spotting at the Michigan-Wisconsin game. I don't know if you caught it. Bobby Quinn out in the crowd with his family on the sidelines, I think, scouting either some Michigan or some Wisconsin talent. You take anything away from that? Bobby Quinn out there working? Yeah, and there's a lot of good games on both teams that generally both schools um, put players in the pros. So just him out there going out to watch a good football game in a great setting to uh, see some talent that, you know, could fall in Detroit's lap depending on where they pick. Uh, yeah, under the guise of I'm taking my family to a, to a good college football game, uh, man, more power to you. I mean, uh, I guess what's surprising is he's actually maybe he was out in the seats as opposed to like one of those cushy boxes, you know, that uh, were nice and warm because, I mean, it was cold out there. I happened to be at the game as well, but uh, I mean that that breeze coming out of the coming out of the northwest wasn't wasn't the best. But uh, yeah, if he's out there, you know, scoping out some talent that he could be looking to draft next year, and there's a lot of guys on both teams that are supposed to be uh, good prospects. Uh, you know, good for him. Yeah, I think he was on the sideline. I mean, Bobby Quinn's not a, a up in the luxury box type of guy to me. He just likes to grind it out and, like say, probably just enjoying with his family, but also like having that scout's eye and everything. I got two like side questions in regard to this before we get into the the main topics of the show today. Like, I was thinking about it the other day, Grifka, and to me, Bobby Quinn, as much as I support him and like think he's done a pretty good job, like. When I looked back at it or thought about it, I was like, man, he kind of took an easier route these first few years, drafting like interior linemen, drafting kind of safe players across the board. He hasn't really rolled the dice on any like top skill guys or any guys with a bunch of red flags or anybody that, you know, would would surprise us. Like, I think. What do you think about that? He's kind of passed his time now. We're in this draft. He can't really go take another what I like to call like a meat and potatoes type player. It has to be a, a swing for the fences or try to get us more of a top difference maker instead of, you know, hey, the, the top guy on the board was, you know, an, another right guard to replace TJ. Like, I don't think he can go that route this year. What do you think? I think he needs a difference maker on the defensive side of the ball. Um, that's what I think he needs to go for. I'm reading all these things, and like you said, like – he should look at a you know another offensive lineman in the first round to start to you know for T.J. Lang or um, maybe like another center or somebody like that you know to bump Glasgow out you know to, you know to replace Lang and and like I've even read like things like they need to look at a tight end because they're getting no tight end production at this point I think this team needs defense and they need they need a spark on on the defense I mean I think that's where we keep going back to. You know, we need Ziggy coming off the edge. They they need a defender to make some big splash plays and, you know, key situations. You know, that defensive end that, you know, on third and long, that'll get you a sack or, you know, knocking down a, a screen pass or something like that. Or, or, you know, or kind of like Ziggy when he's out there healthy. Yeah, and then he, he gets hurt when he jumps up. but Or like a defensive tackle that can put pressure up the middle. I'm not quite for sure if that's what the Lions defense is or they're more of the gap, you know, just hold your spot, take up space, let the linebackers make the tackle. But there's points where the that middle of the defensive line needs to get some sort of push. And um, I know yeah. the Patriots used to have that with Vince Wolfolk, and they really liked that. And I know they had uh, Richard Seymour that would bump down and do that, and then they traded him to Oakland. He had a few good years out in Oakland, but – I think they need somebody like that, and there's a lot of that at the top of the top of the draft, the first you know five, six, seven picks. But I don't want the Lions to have that record where they have one of the top five, six, seven picks. You know, so, uh, um, well, but hey, I'll, let me jump in though. But what I'm saying is like, so if he's picking in the 20s again, and kind of, yeah, I'm always like, hey, take best available, you know, take value, that type of thing. But if it comes down to like a defensive tackle or a freaky edge rusher, or even like, I want to get a nasty outside or inside linebacker that just is a havoc on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I feel like our secondary is pretty well. Like, I think he's got to be a little bit more bold. I mean, everybody was so happy that we passed on Ruben Foster and we took Jared Davis. And now I hear all these people second guessing going like, Oh man, I don't know. Foster's cleared and he's playing like a beast and Jared Davis is, is struggling. I mean, I had Ruben Foster as my pick, but again, I don't know all the the characteristics are medical, but I think it's going to take a nasty guy like that one of these years where we just roll the dice a little bit more. So I don't want to get on a huge side tangent, but when Michigan and, uh, and Wisconsin, I was like, you know, they're mostly known for some of their big uglies and whatnot, but 
I want to see him out in the SEC, like scouting some of these top, top, like you said, edge rushers, linebackers, you know, a nasty safety to replace Glover would be nice. So I'm really hoping that's what he'll do. But it, it got me thinking. The other thing I wanted to bring up real quick. So, again, I'm on the uh, Matt Pat pressers. I usually go on there and promote the Kool-Aid cast a little bit or just put on a few posts. But, again, the trolls are out, man. Every time I go on there, they're, the trolls are out talking about fire Bob Quinn. Bob Quinn's the problem. Like, to me – I mean, these people, they just don't get football if that's your take because if you look at this guy's track record, everybody has misses in the draft. He's had a few. But I want to say for the majority, a lot of his free agent signings, you know, like the the mid to upper tier ones have not like totally crapped out. Like, again, lower tier guys, you're, it's, a, it's a 50-50 coin flip at best. A lot of his like mid to later round picks, you know, have been more good than bad, I would say. I mean, I keep going on there going, man, I'm I'm still super happy with the, the tandem or the trio of Bob Quinn, Matt Pat, and Matt Stafford. Like, I, I hedge on that last one a little bit because I want to bring him up in another podcast here at some point about, you know, we are – Every game when we're at year 10 and he's got all these weapons and we're still not blowing people out or he's not consistent as I'd like, I'm debating on if he's going to win big here in Detroit or when it's going to happen. But I still love Matt Pat and Bobby Quinn leading this franchise from a scouting perspective, a draft, building a team, bringing in a new scheme, a new work ethic. Like I'm all about it, but man, the troll, you should see him on these, uh, on these pressers, Grifka, they're just they're just ragging on. Get a new coach. Get it. Get the GM out of here. I'm like, for what? <laughs> what has he done that's been uh, where that's you know killing our team? Right. I mean, is our shelf life is, is the shelf life over already? I mean, right. he hasn't been here all that <laughs> Matt long. Pat's been here for five games, and Bobby Quinn like two and a half, three it, years, whatever. It's yeah. Been. Like, come on. I mean, give him at least a few years. I mean, I think there's some spark in this team. Uh, I believe that uh, Matt Patricia can, I mean, say, I mean, lack of a better term at this point early in the season with a record, I mean, get the team turned around. This team's not horrible. I mean, yeah, we and you both agree they lost some very winnable games. But um, I think that uh, they can still get into the playoffs. And that, I don't think that's even like pie in the sky. I mean, wow. based on where this division is. And, yeah, I know the Packers kind of snuck away with a win from the 49ers the other night and uh you know what uh, the Bears pretty much gave up a game to the Dolphins that were playing you know this week and the Vikings you know beat up on I can't remember who they beat by was I think the Cardinals last week as they played by 10 you know and that week that game was at home but uh that's one of those things like I don't think this division for it's tough but I know we had talked about how they'll be not well they'll be knocking each other off but this division's still very winnable I mean, none of these teams are I, that you know we speak of are going to go run away with it. So to say, like, you know, fire Matt Patricia now, you know, get rid of Bob Quinn now. That's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard in the world, man. I mean, that's just that's just <laughs> dumb. Like, yeah, at least give them a well, couple more years. And yeah, like you said, they've had a few misses in here, but some of the, some of the signings have made complete sense. And but that's like you said. I mean, I think people just see the lines, but that happens all over the place. That happens on every team, you know, where. There's only so many superstars that are actually, you know, they'll go and be free agents. There's only there's only so many times you can, like, get lucky when somebody thinks the tread is gone on somebody like uh, Randy Moss in New England, you know, trades for him, and all of a sudden he's like Randy Moss again. You know, that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. But uh, I don't know, for people to, like, you know, all of a sudden saying fire him and – who are you going to bring in? What, are you going to give it to Jim Bob? Are you going to give it to Paul Pasqualoni? What, are you going to give it to, like, you know, the special teams coordinator? I mean, I, I, I don't know, but I think at this point, that's probably got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, this is the first time I can remember where the Lions have a head coach and a GM that legitly, legitimately, you know, not only enjoy working together, but have the same philosophy and the same type of work ethic came from the same place. I mean, even before when you'd hear GMs and coaches, Oh, I love working with so-and-so. I mean, you could just feel that, you know, you knew it, 
either they weren't that well working together or they just uh, had different views on things. So they were always just piecing it together. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up about Bobby Quinn. Like uh, people need to, like you said, and give him a decade before I start to judge him. But I mean, he's got his coach now. He's rebuilt our old line in two years. Um, we have some skill guys both now and he got a couple long-term deals done that have been good so i feel good about it man so griff got a couple more topics uh and i'm gonna dive into some other things so um i got my uh my mind here brandon powell like this guy tore it up in the preseason he they kept him on the roster he's never been active i mean now with agnew out it feels like a chance that this guy can get out and make plays but how does a guy go from having a pretty good resume, both, you know, out of college, undrafted type of guy, tear it up in the preseason, look really good in all these underneath routes, and we can't find a role for him on this team. I mean, again, when I'm giving you a hard time about Ziggy, it's because he's such a top-end player. You hear me rag on how terrible TJ Jones, some of these scrubs are, like – to me, I mean, there's a difference. We can sort of have differing uh, or opinions on the lower tier guys, but like to me, Brandon Powell shouldn't be coming in at least challenging TJ Jones, some of these other players for snaps or for. Um, I loved what he did, you know, moving the chains and doing things in the preseason. So, can this guy make an impact either in the return game, as we said, or could he get out there and just be a, a good fourth receiver here at some point? I want to see something from this guy. Well, I know we had spoke before. I think TJ Jones is in the position he's in is because he's been here. He's a veteran. He knows the offense. Um, if it's one of those things where Brandon Powell can show a little bit, maybe that affects him. You know, you know those guys that fourth, fifth, sixth wide receiver. You know, in the next year or two, um, can he do something this year? I think this is going to have to be his his spot right here. If they're going to use if they're going to use him in the kickoff and punt return job you know, to save, you know, like we said, a, uh, you know, Golden Tate, you know, trying to save him from injury where the only way he would go back there is if Brandon Powell, you know, when something happens, you always see it on a punt where a guy, you know, lets the ball, you know, drop as opposed to picking it up when he can and it bounds, you know, down inside the 20 or inside the 10 or he's, st- you know, or punt returner has his feet on the 10 then backs up to the two to catch a punt, you know, and that's when the next time there's a punt, a new guy's out there. Something like that. Now, uh, out there running routes at wide receiver, I don't know. I, like you said, we see it every preseason, not just on the line, on every team. There's like that guy that, you know, comes out of nowhere, has, you know, three touchdowns and, you know, is cracking uh, almost 100 yards every game, making these great plays, but he's doing it against like the fourth team defense. All I can think of is there's got to be a reason why he's not active. You know, you know there's got to be a reason why. And all I can figure is, right, maybe because he's an undrafted rookie and they trust, you know, the TJ Joneses of the team. And as opposed to, you know, putting a rookie out there who's still, you know, I guess learning the way. So that's all I can think is why, but this is going to be a spot right here. If this is what they're going to use him as. Yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to quickly bring him up, but like my thing is when you hear me bring up guys like this and say, Hey, tore it up in the preseason. He looked good. That doesn't mean I expect him to come in and be, you know, Julian Edelman in the slot. It just means, hey, looking at him, knowing, you know, receivers the way I do, like he looked fluid. He could get in and out of routes. He could catch the ball when it's thrown to him. He could move the chains. Like to me, we need a few more players like that when, like you said, we have no tight end production and we don't have, um, you know, any production from TJ Jones. I mean, I'm not here to keep people around just because they sort of know the scheme or they've been there. I'm here to find guys that can not only make plays, but can have a little juice, you know, have a little something. And I just want to see what he has. I mean, if he made two catches a game, you know, and they, they were either, you know, chain movers or they were nice little plays underneath. Like that's all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a, a bona fide number three, four or five receiver. I'm just looking for a, a new guy that can maybe make plays. I want to see what this guy has. So hopefully, like you say, he'll get his chance or, you know, not expecting the world. Just want to see what he has in real games, or I don't see there's any reason why he's not in the mix for that, that fourth spot. I mean, it feels like, you know, there's not many other guys in front of them that have really proven themselves. So we'll, we'll see what happens. 
with with Powell. I mean, I'm I'm hoping to see a few things here in the next few weeks. And uh, like I say, if not, I think he's still a piece that if Golden Tate goes away, like I said, I like who I saw, but uh, just as a complimentary wide receiver, that's all I see him as. So Grifka, we're long-term Michigan Wolverines guys, but we got to get it out there now. Prediction for the big game, Michigan versus MS Boo. What do you think? This – Six and a half point line, seven point line, Michigan favorite. That's oh boy. That's 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 <laughs> way that's way too big a line. That's I mean, if I was a betting man, I'd be in, I'd be in Vegas right now, putting my money, taking the Spartans in the in the points. Oh. I mean, Griffin, you know what I should do on this show is I should just tee up a question for you and then like pause you before you talk and I'll just give your answer for you because there's no doubt I know what you're gonna say like ninety percent of the time. I know you're gonna be like a couple of my other Michigan buddies or. Oh, I'm scared. Oh, Michigan State looking good. They got me worried. So go ahead, say it. Go on the diet. They diatribe. do got me worried. Oh, they they do got me worried. <laughs> I, I mean, they. Oh. I mean, it always seems something stupid. I mean, you know the what the anniversary of the punt. You know where Michigan <laughs> should have won that game. The downpour last year in Michigan oh. Stadium, where like John O'Crap continued to throw the ball to Michigan State because the linebackers and defensive backs were wide open. So Grifka, let me ask you one question. It's what? a very simple question. What does two years ago and last year have anything to do with this game on Saturday? Please tell me. Nothing. So so why why is that factoring into your thinking? Those were those were games last year. There's not many of those players. None of that like bad things that happened are going to come into to haunt us. This is a brand new football game. I don't know how many times we got to go over this. Like when they kick it off, none of this past garbage matters. Like that's just loser mentality. And that's woe is me. And Oh man, I'm worried because the Sparties beat somebody the week before. Like I'm not saying this is going to be a huge blowout. It's a rivalry game. It's going to be close, but I've had to listen to like three, four, five friends already go oh man i'm i'm super nervous like you know this is gonna be a, like they're thinking that we're gonna lose and i'm just looking at it going all right who's the better football team most people would agree the wolverines have a better team this year yes it's in east lansing so like my quick response was i think it'll be a pretty close game but i'm not too worried because i feel like we have a quarterback finally and i feel that hey you know, you can't go into every year thinking, oh, man, this is going to be a, just a coin flip when we have a crazy good defense, we have a good quarterback, we probably have similar to better skilled players, a great running game. Like, I don't see why you can't go up there and and win it pretty soundly, have the Wolverines walk out pretty soundly. And, and in the rivalry game, that means 7, 10, maybe 14 points in college football. You know, like 14 points is still 10 to 14 is still kind of close. Okay, but yeah, I'm worried. So, uh, do I think the Michigan Wolverines are going to win the game? Yeah, do I want them to win? Yeah, but it's uh, it's going to be a close game. I mean, I think it's going to be closer than ten. But uh, I mean, hey, no problem. When you said when you said not too worried, see, I'm not too worried when they play like Indiana, you know, and I'm not even worried when they play teams like Rutgers. I mean, come on, me and you and nine other guys could go beat Rutgers, but. Uh, you know that that's not too worried, but <clears throat> this game, I mean, but the, yeah. but the thing is, worried. when is Grifker all these other like fans gonna finally? Are you ever gonna have confidence in your team, or are you just gonna go into every game? Go, I don't know. It's a coin flip. It should be close. Like <laughs> they could say that every no, time. Actually, last week, last week when they played Wisconsin, I I wasn't. I was less worried about Wisconsin than I was this game. I was more confident that they were going to beat Wisconsin. Well, of course. I really was. I'm not, they talking, had Taylor. I'm not talking about these other games. I'm talking about Michigan State, Ohio State. Like, every year it feels like people, no matter how good our team is, what kind of role we're on, is always going to look at the other side and go, I don't know. We could probably lose this game. Like, I don't know. It's just it's the same old story every year, I think, with people. And then, you know, if they lose, you could see, oh, see, I told you if they win, like, you should get no points because you were just hemming and hawing about your team. That's how I feel. You gotta be com- okay. you gotta be confident when you have a decent team and like yeah if we go in there and lose hey I'll tip my cap but I'm not gonna go in there hemming and hawing going I don't know it'd probably be you know I can see the Sparties winning when I really don't see them winning. 
Okay. So, all right, people. Well, there's a little college football talk. I'm sure we got a lot of Sparty fans that are yelling at their uh, at their phone or however you're listening to this right now. But Unsub- like you say, unsubscribing right now. Yeah, like you say, go blue from this side. But uh, like you say, I love college rivalry games. It's a big game in the state, so we had to talk about it for a second. So, with that being said, Grifka, my main item I want to talk to you about today is we're returning from the bye week. And not only will this Lions team return with a purpose, but I got a few items here I want to talk about about if they're going to, what the heck that means. So right off the top, do you think this team's going to return with a purpose and some mojo, sort of like how they went into the bye week? Yeah. Um, like we had talked, I believe this the team is really starting to buy into what Patricia has brought as a coach. And, um, I mean, they beat the Patriots, they beat the Packers you know, a week off to, you know, really reflect, say, yeah, this stuff is getting done right. And we can go down to Miami, win this game, and, uh, you know, make some hay with the schedule that that's coming up. So, yeah, I believe this team is going to come back with a purpose, come out, you know, uh, you know, with their reckless abandon and uh, go out and try to, uh, you know, kick some butt, you know, and uh, really uh, start racking up some Ws. So let me ask you this. Like, we're going to get into the Dolphins game on a Friday show. It usually drops Friday morning for everybody out there listening. It's usually where we kind of tee up the game coming up that Sunday. Um, so if you think they're going to return with a purpose, i got a few questions or topics here. Do you think we're going to see a more aggressive defense against not only the Dolphins but moving forward? Like blitzes, I'm talking, you know, more sound tackling, maybe a better Jared Davis, more – more edge pass rush from what I love that I've seen from Aquara and even like, I think Eli Harold has been a nice little pickup um, here and there. So will this defense be more aggressive across the board in your opinion? I don't think they're going to blitz more than what they have been doing. They've been getting pressure on the quarterback, even though at points it doesn't seem like there is. Then I read how many sacks they have this year and it's like, went in the top 10, yeah. what, what they have for sacks this year. Yeah. So I think they believe that the defense is working. It's just a matter of getting the scheme down. That's what, you know, they say hurt them against the Jets, and, and that's kind of what affected them against the uh, against the 49ers, you know, everybody just doing their job. So I don't see them trying to blitz more. Um, maybe they're more aggressive on, like, the third downs, you know, uh, trying to get the quarterbacks to do quick reads and stuff like that more you know, hot routes, but um, usually good quarterbacks can read those right at the bat, right off the bat. And uh, if they were to do that, they're just going to pick on Nevin Lawson. So I think the defensive scheme, what they've been running, that's probably what they're going to stick with. So I want to jump in real quick when you talked about sacks, because here's one thing I preached the last few years with the Lions. So, you know, years ago when we thought we had decent teams or we had skilled players, you know, they'd be like our starters. And then, like, a new regime would come in or we'd get some better draft picks and we'd bump them down a peg is what I would always say. Like, you know, certain guys would get bumped down to be backups. And then if another really good player came in, then they were, like, the backups backup. So when you talk about our sacks and getting after the quarterback, like, remember how high we were two years ago on Kerry Hyder and uh, even Zettel? Like, oh, man, these guys get to the quarterback. You know, they're good hustlers. they putting up some production. Like not only did we just boot Zed a lot of, you know, off the team, but Kerry Hyder can't find the field. I don't even know if he's been active for more than a game or two this year. So, to me, that's not only the new scheme that's like talent that we used to value getting pushed down. So I think that's something to be excited about about our sack numbers being where they are, and they're coming from new guys that were draft like not drafted but picked up and brought on by this regime. So that's exciting. Like you say, the scheme is probably creating some sacks and just our back end coverage, which we'll get to later, is also like helping with these coverage type sacks, you would think. So you gotta love those sack numbers, no doubt. I mean, I don't know if I agree with you about the blitzing. Like I think this team is starting to get a little bit of a groove of where they're supposed to be, the techniques they're supposed to use. So I think you'll see coaches sort of tune it up a little bit of, okay, they got the basics down. They're playing more sound football. We can start bringing some more exotic blitzes or start implementing more each week, which that's all I want to see is a little bit more creativity and a little bit more aggressive new things every few weeks, you know, Oh, wow. I didn't, we hadn't seen that corner blitz or, Oh, I love Glover coming down and, and locking up somebody or coming off the edge a little bit. So, you know, 
I'm hoping and thinking we'll see that more and more as this goes on. But uh, they, to me, they got to be more aggressive if they're going to come out with a purpose. I don't want to see some of this vanilla, just basic across the board um, as far as our team goes. So that leads me to my next point. So like on the offense side of the ball, we saw like some, you know, we saw Kenny emerge. We've seen some other players make plays. Golden Tate had a nice first uh, handful of games before the bye week. Um, to me, Marvin Jones Griffith has kind of been, He's been there and he's made a few plays, but he hasn't been as impactful as he was last year where people felt like he really sort of turned the corner. Um, but he's made the plays that have been there to him. Do you expect to see more Marvin or uh, a more dynamic Marvin Jones as we come off the bye week here? I think we're going to see this kind of same, the exact same thing that we've been seeing out of Marvin Jones. They're going to try to continue to take their deep shots down the field when they're there, scheme them into the game plans like they did it against San Francisco, and uh, that was just uh, Stafford overthrowing him on, on a few deep deep balls. Um, I know they've looked for him in the end zone, inside the red zone. They've done that a few times. Um, Stafford, you know, when it's been close, it was just thrown out of bounds. You know, last um, couple weeks ago when they uh, when they played against the Packers, they found Marvin Jones in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. So uh, I think he's just going to kind of keep running the same scheme. The way they the way they've been doing it, I don't think they're gonna like say we need to get Marvin the ball more. But uh, where this offense is at, what it's doing, you know, you know, Kenny Boy's getting his catches, Golden Tate's doing what he does, you know, catching the ball underneath, you know, you know, scooting for first downs, you know, being skittish that way. So I think Marvin's gonna continue to do what Marvin's doing. I don't see them really, like I said, adjusting game, you know, hold schemes, game plans. You know, it's like you know, saying we need to get the ball to Marvin more. So I think it's, you know, it's going to be where it's at right there. Grifka, I, I don't know. I, I kind of disagree with you on that one. Like, I feel I feel like they're going to start rolling coverage like GT and, and Galladay and, and those type of guys. And uh, and that's going to open up things for Marvin Jones. Like, like, like I say, I've sort of liked the way he's played in the beginning. Um, he hasn't had, you know, maybe a drop or two, but not, not many. He's made some nice plays. Some have counted, some haven't, be it based on penalties. But I think if they start trying to double up other people, he's going to open up and I could see him making plays. So I'm looking for him to be a little bit more impactful. But like you said, sort of keep doing what you're doing, too, because I think he's blossoming into a nice all around nice athlete at receiver, which is a good compliment to our current guys. And I could see him and Galladay with another third guy being a nice little duo for the next three, four, not four years, maybe two, three years here with that crew. Now, let me ask you this, a little side topic on the same item. There's been a lot of pub about, like, oh, the Lions have a great trio of receivers. I mean, I've been touting Kenny G for the whole offseason. He's really shown up. The Big Hughes has been on this podcast. He's His boy is Golden Tate. This guy just – he wants us to resign him. He loves him, and he's been making plays too. And me, you, and everybody we've kind of talked about. We love Marvin Jones coming in this year. He doesn't really have the stats, but he's been okay. Do the Lions really have a top receiving core, though? Because I was thinking about it the other day. I mean, just off the top of my head, Pittsburgh, L.A., you know, I could probably name off, like, you know, a handful more that I feel like have the top three guys, <coughs> excuse me, are the same or better than the Lions. Like, I start, think the Lions are starting to get a lot of love, but I don't know if they're that impactful. I'd put them top eight, top ten but I'm not putting them up in like the top five range. I think this year with the offense trying to establish more of the run and use the run more, that's, I think that's maybe what you're thinking right there, that you could think of these other teams that have better wide receiving cores than that. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know, like who's the third wide receiver in Pittsburgh? Who's the third wide receiver in L.A.? You know who's the who's the third wide receiver in Minnesota? You know, the, I mean, those are like some decent wide receiving cores right there. I mean, I could probably put the Lions in the top five, you know, maybe fifth. But uh, yeah, I mean, what they're rolling out there with Golden Tate, you know, being the undercover guy, you know, Marvin Jones stretching the field, you know, Kenny Galladay running the post, running, you know, uh, you know, up and out, you know, something like that. He can even run underneath, and uh, you know, you know when. Then he like eight yards. He'll catch the ball at like six yards, and then beat the guy around the corner to get the last two. So yeah, I could probably see them, you know, top five. 
Yeah, I can because simply, like like I said, who's the third wide receiver in those other spots? Like, really? Yeah, who's the third wide receiver in Pittsburgh? Yeah, let me let I me. Mean, yeah, we let know me, Antonio Brown and Juju, but who's who's the third? Yeah, well, he hasn't totally taken off yet, but like I'm talking about dynamic. Like when you name those teams, like James Washington is a dynamic, over the top type young receiver that gives people problems. Like you know, in LA, it's Woods, Cup, and Cooks. You know what I mean? Like those big splash plays and it's probably partly because of their offense out with the Rams. But like, I I like the lions as a solid workman like group, but I don't go into each week going, Oh man, these guys are going to take the top off the defense. These guys are going to score 50 yard touchdowns. I feel like we dink and dunk a lot or kind of like move down the field. Like when I'm talking top five, top eight wide receiver course, you got to be able to just put the fear of God in people. And I don't know that we do well, that. I think part of that, Part of that is also maybe the offense that they're running. I mean, everybody – I remember the old – you know, you you see the videos of the old AFL days where everything was like the mad bomber and everybody's just, you know, throwing Hail Marys and bombs every play. I mean, if that's – maybe that's the Rams' offense. It's because they can run those plays since everybody always has to, like, you know, you know, fill up the box to try to stop Todd Gurley, you know. And that, so maybe that's what happens there. I, maybe it's just the offense they run. Like I said, the lines were trying to establish the run more where guys were like keeping, they were keeping the safeties back. I mean, we I saw guess, it happen against New England, you know, where it's like, okay, now they got, now they're running. So they had to bring up the other safety in the box. So it opened up more, more down the field. So maybe it's just the offense they run. I guess so. But I mean, you need a, the, they're like the Pistons to me, like with this being Pistons opening night, like when they had a good team, but no stars, like our receiver core is three good players that they're all are okay, but I mean, Marvin Jones is what a top twenty, t- top twenty-five type receiver. Golden Tate, top you know twenty-ish receiver. Kenny Galladay probably still in like the thirties or or more as far as overall. So you know, even guys like you just named off New England, at least they have a talent like Josh Gordon. They have a a grinder like Julian Edelman, and they have some of these other young guys as that third piece, or like even a Hogan as a guy that. He just produces when he's given the opportunity. So I don't know. I feel like if they had a top, top guy, it would make me feel like they're more dynamic. But I feel every week that, one, I don't know who's going to dominate the game, which is a good and a bad thing. And two, I just want them to see them, like, really show out. And like you said, offense or not, like, yeah, they need to be given the opportunities. But I just always hear them as a top one, and I just don't know. To me, they really got to put up some points and put up some big plays throughout this whole year to make me say, yeah, man, we got a dynamic receiving core instead of just we got a really good, solid receiving core, but no no guys that can go out and win a football game for us. Like even Tyreek Hill and, and Sammy and uh, the guy uh, Conley out in Kansas City, I go into weeks thinking those guys can win you a game, you know, by – by their dynamic playmaking and their quarterback. And that's what we need to have too. We've got the quarterback and we should have the receivers and we do. I'm not, I'm not bagging on them. I just, I just want to bring that up of, you know, to me, they're top 10 right now. And I'd love to see them in that top five, but they got 11 more games to really put it all together and put up points. Like, you know, we scored what 30 once or twice, but I'd like to see them score 30 or, you know, another handful of times this year to really put them on the map. So, With uh, let's do this, Griffka. Um, so we think this team's going to come out with a purpose. You know, we differ on if they're going to be aggressive or what Marvin's going to do, things like that. I mean, we've talked about it in previous shows where I want them to feature carry on. I want them once they feature carry on to go play action. You know, run it and chuck it, as I call it, where they show the run, where they show you they can run it, and they show you the run and they throw it up over the top. That's kind of what I want to see. But how about? We've got um, some questions, too, that were submitted this week. So let me just give you a couple players, key players for the rest of the season, and just give me a, a sense or two of, one, you think they're going to be impactful, or two, just kind of where you, what you think they'll do the rest of this year. I mean, like I say, we've got 11 games left, which is which is crazy. That's a ton of football to play. So first one on my list, carry on Johnson. Grifka, what do you think? I think he's going to be have to be very impactful if this team wants to do what it wants to do in the second half of the season, or at least after the bye. He'll obviously, I think, be the starter. I mean, he's been doing that the last couple couple games, and uh, 
I think at some point, you know, with him being a rookie, they always say the rookies hit the wall at some point. I th- there's going to be a point now, they're, the team's going to have to make some hay right now. So I believe he's going to be featured a little more in the running game than, say, like LeGarrette Blunt. But there's going to be a point later in the year where it's going to, I think, kind of where water's going to find its level again, where carry-on's going to be, the reins are going to be pulled in a little bit, LeGarrette Blunt's going to play a little more, you know, simply to try to save him. If the team's at where it wants to be at, say, you know, in week 11, week 12, to uh, save him for, uh, you know, the remainder of the season. So uh, I think he's just going to, he's going to have to be a, a big part of the, part of this team for the remainder of the year. Okay. I like your answer, but you exceeded your one to two sentence uh, quota. Oh, so we got to move through these, but Grifka, how many times I want to do a quick follow-up on carry on. How many times if Grifka has to guess, will he get 20 plus carries this year? In the remaining games? Yes. I'll say four. So four times. Because to me, 20 carries is really getting the rock and doing some things. So we'll see. I'd like to see that number up around six to eight. You know, um, I know they'll still spread it out, but he's got to be the workhorse at least, you know, mm-hmm. six games or, or more for me to really feel good about it. Jared Davis, Grifka, talk to me. Sentence or two. He had a good game against the Packers. Um, still has to improve in his coverage for him to be the big difference maker in the defense. Will he improve in the second half and be that guy? I, I think, I believe he'll continue to improve, but it might be one of those things where it's small incremental things and off a sun between, you know, week, you know, six and week, you know, eight, all of a sudden he's becoming, you know, Mike Singletary, you know, <laughs> something like that. Yes. Glad you got, glad you got the throwback in for the people. So my quick take is uh, keep doing what you did against Dallas and green Bay. Cause I saw some flash plays. I saw some good football by that guy. So keep that up. And uh, I think, you know, we'll, we'll be like when we have a middle linebacker. So I'm still high on the guy, uh, Stefan or um, Quandre digs with the, uh, with the busted up hand. What do you think? He's going to be solid. We need him back there. So uh, he's going to be solid and uh, continue to uh, play with that cast until it's uh, ready to come off. So you think he can be solid with the – you don't think it's going to be worse or that he'll be out a few games this year? You don't see him miss any time? No. He would have done that from the jump. He would have done – if he would have missed games, it would have been from the jump. I mean, he was out there practicing with the cast the next week. So he'll he'll be out there. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I feel like that's something that can hinder your play. You know, the more games you see him with that cast, and can also get worse. I mean, yeah, it's it's got a little cast on it, but it's getting banged around week after week. I mean, I, I don't know that's going to get better, but I think that uh, we need him to not only be able to make tackles and make plays, but I liked, you know, his play on the football too. Um, in this, in this, you know, as his career moves forward, and it's going to be hard to do with the cast. So we'll see. I think he's important to the defense. Uh, we already talked about Marvin Jones. He was on my list. We already kind of detailed why he might be a key player and what he might do moving forward. Another guy that's been a hot topic on this podcast, Grifka, Big Mike, Mike Roberts. What do you think? Uh, you think he's going to both come back and be impactful at all, or not so much? Um. I'm thinking maybe a total of five touchdowns this year, all red zone threat. I don't think he's going to be a middle of the uh, field threat, you know, between 20 to 20. I, I, I don't see that happening. I think I, I think I got you on some Mike, big Mike Kool-Aid because uh, you just threw out five touchdowns. Like that's nothing. I mean, for a tight end, these guys barely get, uh, I think a good tight end in the league would be like seven, eight touchdowns. So you got him right up in the upper echelon if he does come back. So I'm all for well, that, I think, but I, I think that's going to be tough to get. <laughs> well, no, I think based on the other tight ends, I think what he brings to the table against what the other tight ends in this uh, on the roster have. I mean, once he's back healthy, I mean, I, th- I think he's going to be the forgotten guy down there because they're going to be looking for the jump ball to Kenny, that back, that back line run that they have against that Marvin Jones, that drag that he runs, or that little crossing route that Golden Tate runs and, you know, steps into the end zone. Uh, we – we we talked about it before where like in like in San Francisco where Luke Wilson was wide open, you know, two yards from the end zone, nobody was around him and Stafford just missed him. 
I think Mike Roberts down there, his, his body size, I think people are just going to kind of forget about him on the defense. And he could be that tight end that just kind of sneaks off into the corner of the end zone, just standing there, you know, just wide open, saying, throw me the ball. So, like I said, I think he's going to be more of a red zone as opposed to, you know, chain mover when, you, when you're at a third and three on your own 40. So that's kind of the way I look at it right there. Yeah. Well, I hear you, but I mean, like, we have no idea what his injury is. Nobody's saying, I haven't heard anything that he's coming back. We're in week six, uh, what is it, week six or seven right now? Seven, right? Yeah, going to seven. Going into seven, we had the bye. So, like, he's got to get back in the next few weeks to get anywhere close to those totals. Like, for me, I just like to see him back on the field. And, like, if he got three touchdowns or two even, but they were impactful, helped us win a football game. I mean, that's almost like my best case scenario, but. Yeah, but didn't like Fortier have like five touchdowns for the Lions one year? I mean, he wasn't oh, like anything else. But... I think, yeah, I think he got up in your eight to ten. But I mean, that was a fluke, and yeah, uh, yeah. he was out there the whole year, and we featured him there. I mean, Mike Roberts, like I say, he might miss another handful of games. We have no idea, but yeah. I think that you know, if he does miss and he doesn't produce, he's really one of those draft misses, and he might be a bubble guy. But I'm hoping I put him on my key players list because, like, say, no tight end production and. I had high hopes for him as that red zone threat, as you detailed. So we'll Mm -hmm. see. Uh, You know, there's plenty of other players that will be key guys. Just threw a few names out here. I threw out this name because, I mean, he makes a decent salary. We detailed that at the beginning of the year. He's made plays in the past. I feel like this year he's been kind of no man's land. I I remember maybe one or two plays he's made all year. Theo Riddick. And I also heard he was sort of out or hurt today in practice. Like, is Theo going to find a role like he did, I think it was two or three years ago, where he was just nightmare in the pass game and really every game you could count on him for X amount of catches and, and a red zone threat? Or is this guy just a, just a lost his role and lost his place on the team type of guy? I don't think he's lost his role or lost his place. I think it's just where the offense has been. I mean, I think Leo Theo is very effective when the teams behind the chains are down. That's when he's in the game, obviously. If they're always ahead of the chains, they're not, if it's third and one, third and two, the run option is still in the playbook. So I don't think they're going to put Theo in there to, you know, try to, you know, go off tackle or up the middle to pick up the couple yards when he's in there. I think all teams are going to be like, okay, this is a pass play on third down. So they're going to scheme for it. I mean, I, I just think as long as the team's in front of the chains and moving the ball down the field, I just don't think he's going to be out there unless there's like injuries. But uh, the only time I really think he's going to be on be out there when it's like you know third and mid mid to long, or if the team's down and they need that guy to you know catch the ball in the backfield, and they're trying not to grind you know grind the clock down through the running game. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, to me, Theo is always one of my favorite players. You know, just kind of an electric guy. I just really need to see a lot more from him, or I need him to. I feel like he could have a perfect role, even if Carrion's the guy of just, you know, splitting him out, making him our fourth receiver, you know, making him an impactful guy. But I just haven't seen it this year. So, um, you know, for for our offense to be clicking, I feel like he's a key piece. I need to get going these next, uh, you know, handful of games and, and towards the back of the year, we're going to need him to make plays. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. So, Griff, we'll finish up the podcast. A couple quick questions. Again, we'll kind of rapid fire these just quick answers from you, and I'll retort a little bit. So, our first question is from Lewis. Lewis is from Kalamazoo. He wants to know Is the secondary really the strength of this team? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would uh, I would say it is. It's, uh, you know, they're getting coverage sacks, which is big. I know there's been a few games where we've seen guys just kind of running free on the offense, you know, wondering who's covering these guys. But still, the way they're getting coverage sacks is big. So, yeah, I would say this is a uh, a strength of the team. It's also nice when a, a defensive back makes a tackle 40 yards downfield and they're not getting in their face of the team that, he, you know, the other guy acting like he just, you know, won the Super Bowl. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Right, yeah, we kind of have like a quiet secondary that sort of just, you know, the biggest thing is – I know Lewis didn't ask about this, but like our, our stats are great for our secondary as far as, you know, where they rank and some of their numbers. But I also feel like, you know, it's, it's the same with the offensive line. Like over the bye week, I heard a few stats with the offensive line. Like we've talked about how they haven't been very dynamic, but, but they have like the least sacks and the least pressures in all the NFL. And I feel like that's our secondary too, is that 
they're playing well, they're putting up good numbers, but we don't feel like they're just dominating. But yeah, I'd say too, right now they've got to be the the strength of the team. And, uh, you know, we've been talking all year about offensive line or other areas being, uh, being the top there. So, so Griff, our next question here comes from big baby and big baby is right here in Detroit. Big baby wants to know Grifka, what's your ideal game day food spread? And I just like easy stuff. I can eat in front of the television. So that's probably like pizza and uh, chicken wings. What kind of chicken wings you go with Grifka? I always like to uh, just the simple honey barbecue. They're kind of sloppy and messy, but uh, you know, was it the buffalo wings? You can either get uh, uh, I'm, buffalo wing sauce. It's always either hit or miss with me. So uh, I just always go with the honey barbecue. I pretty much know what I'm getting there. But are these are these B dubs or these you're getting from the store and making these things? No, there's a local bar in town, Cody's, which is a uh, they have like these massive chicken wings that are really good and they're really sloppy, and we, I get those. Oh, okay. All right. Hmm. Ideal food spread for me. Uh, hmm, big baby in Detroit. I mean, for me, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm the kind of guy where I like to cook up a bunch of food in the oven, but like, it's always way too much for me to eat. So, like, I go with like a smorgasbord. Like, I'll have, you know, like maybe some chicken tenders, and then I like to if I can get the old tater tots going, I get those going. You know, maybe if I got a little. Uh, thing of mac and cheese might do some of that up uh like you said chicken wings or or uh something is always a good good item but another thing like i like on a really big game day griff and i only do this every once in a while it's like it'd be a big game and i'll go big with my food like it's a not a thanksgiving but i'll either go with like a really nice steak or like a, a good piece of meat and then i'll get like stuffing or scallop potatoes and i'll get uh like good rolls, you know, be like a, a really good dinner, but it's like, it's like a big game type of meal. Like, I don't know to me, like there's nothing better than a good old piece of meat with some good veggies and a, like some mashed or scat potatoes to get going. Yeah. I gotcha. So like you say, uh, everything is good. I'm a big, like when game day is coming up, like you gotta have some good to eat. Okay. And stuff, but come game day, I like to do it up big where I got to, food right at kickoff that's the best so big baby we appreciate the question i'm i'm sure by that name and and you know probably a big fella probably enjoys this grub as well so appreciate that uh our next question is joey and joey comes from the pacific northwest joey wants to know do you see stafford taking control of this team and leading it the rest of the season and beyond uh, I think the only way that's going to happen for Stafford if he sits down and watches the Lion King first. So uh, once he watches that, he'll uh, realize what he needs to do to, uh, you know, sit down and, you know, realize what he needs to do to take this team forward. He can sit down, you know, at the piano, play that, you know, <laughs> drink some wine, put the Lion King on the background and just reflect yeah. on, uh, you know, what he needs to do to lead this team to uh, to greatness. Yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you. Like, instead of Lion King, I think this guy has to, like – you know, be that leader, not that, you know, yes, man, not that corporate guy, like just grab this team by the throat and make plays. I mean, that's what this team's been wanting. We've had a few other quarterbacks that, yeah, they might've had talent. Yeah. We might've rooted for them, but they were just kind of wimpy. And like, I don't want Stafford to fall into that. And he does at some point. So have this, have number nine, be a leader, be outspoken and, you know, uh, really like be that leader that Detroit's always wanted at the quarterback position. So I sure hope so, but TBD for me, I mean, I still want to see it from him. So our final question, Griffa, comes from Indomitung, and he's in L.A. these days. He says, I visited both Miami and Detroit. Which city would you choose out of these two? Oh, gosh. Now, you know me. I love going to the D. <laughs> I really love hanging out in Detroit. I really do. <laughs> Gosh, man, South Beach is freaking cool. If you've never been to South Beach, go to South Beach. Have you been to South Beach? Oh, gosh. Yes, I have. Have you? You don't seem yes, like a South Beach guy South to me. What do you do there? You yes, hang out I... in the sun and go on a strip or what? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you just go to the beach and you hang out on the beach. And I mean, you hang out on the beach. <laughs> and then you hit the bars on South Beach you know, at night. But well, I you have do? done that. I was younger before kids, but. Oh my gosh! But if I at, at this age, 
where I'm at in my life, I would pick going to Detroit because I just love going to Detroit. But gosh, South Beach of Miami is so freaking cool. <laughs> wow, that surprised me. I uh, actually took a girlfriend to Miami on a vacay and like we had the coolest hotel, Griff. It was like this, we're on probably like the 15th, 20th floor. And then when you went up to the 30th floor, it was like this whole, there was like a pool on top of like, you're only in the middle of the building, but there was just a pool. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. outside, but like in the middle of the hotel, it was like this own little village. It had like, it was like, it was like a place I never go. Right. Like a place Oakry would never go, but it was a, baller ass hotel like even from the room to everything and then like you said we went down and hung out the water and walked around town i went to a really nice steak uh restaurant right on the strip there uh you know prime what's it prime or whatever is the big uh steak spot we went right on the um and south beach there so it was nice but like to me i mean there's lots of other places like hawaii has been the place i always want to go i mean to me i'm not an la guy either but to me like I love Michigan for the seasons and whatnot, but I mean, if I had to pick, I'd probably either be, um, you know, somewhere other than Detroit or Miami, but you know, I'd go for Detroit for the sports and for some of the fall season. But like you said, me on me has got some stuff going for it. So with that being said, we're going to be talking all about me on me on Friday's episode. We didn't talk about it much today, but this is a huge game against the dolphins. Grifka, I'll talk about it at a time when we get to it, but to me, it's a must win. It's a big game. The Lions are coming off a bye. They got some mojo. They got some gusto. The Dolphins got some major issues, especially at the quarterback position, and we're going to be talking all about it on the next Kool-Aid cast. So, Grifka, you got anything else for the people before we get out of here? Uh, No, I don't. (laughs) Perfect. That's what we uh, expect, and uh, we just want to thank everybody for listening. We want to thank Grifka for all his wisdom today and unbelievable takes and for all the Kool-Aid he's been drinking on the bye week because, once again, he agrees with me on most things except for that big Ziggy issue, which I'm sure we'll get back into again on another show. And for everybody, please subscribe, please share with a friend, and please check us out on Friday when we're talking all about Lions, Dolphins. And uh, we can't can't wait to get uh, our Lions back on the field this Sunday. So everybody, drink it in, take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Drink it in, man.